0: Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial
1: it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the kitten in a frog hat next to me is Ellen.
0: Meow bit rib meow. That was
1: really hard to
0: combine. Yeah, I I didn't mean for you to. Well, then let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Mm-hmm. Last week, we covered the first half of chapter four, number 12 Grimold Place, and the corresponding film scenes. Moody's pyromaniacal tendencies come in handy when it comes to secret keeping. The Grimmauld Place is in desperate need of some feng shui, Molly's mom hugs will cure what ails you, while Hermione's hug locks will straight-up scare you. Creature's habit of talking to window treatments has Harry scratching his head. Ron's aggressive owl wound is nothing compared to being stuck on Privet Drive. And as usual, the twins' ability to diffuse tension comes in handy when you're arguing in a murder house.
1: During episode 122, The Hug Lock, our Potter pondering was... Would you rather spend a week with the Dursleys on Privet Drive or a night at the murder house? AKA number 12 Grimmauld Place.
2: Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. Would I rather spend a week on Privet Drive or a night in the murder house? And I promise you, I really don't care how anybody feels about this. I would rather spend a night anywhere magical. I really don't care. I'm say it. Anywhere magical. Baby, it could be Escaban. okay? <laughs> anywhere magical, I would go gladly for 12 hours rather than go hang out over there in the bougie suburbs. I uh- Come on now. Into where magical. Baby, anywhere magical with not even knowing. Without knowing anything about Harry Potter, I would be like, wow. So this is where depression comes from. This shit, right? Ain't this crazy, y'all? Look at that. Anywhere magical, baby. Bring on the murder house. Let's go. Let's go.
3: Hey, Ellen. Hey, Katie. Jackson here with this week's Potter Pondering. Will it come to a choice between a night in private Drive or a week in the murder house? Hell yeah, I'm picking the murder house.
0: I mean, screw staying with the Dursleys. Absolutely. I will not stay with those bags of assholes.
3: All right, thank you. Hi, Alan and Katie. It's Marissa. Yep, I'm back. Anyway, would I rather spend a week in Privet Drive or spend a day in Grimald Place? Hmm, let me think. Probably in Grimmel Place, because no one wants to spend a week in Wichita Place. No one does. No one does. Second thing, Grimald Place is probably not even that bad. If Sirius and Lupin come with the package, then that would be a lot easier. Anyway, I'm going to go, because I don't want to rant. But, yeah. Bye. Hi there, it is Carly, the support badger, calling in for the first time in a while to leave my Potter pondering of whether I would stay at the Dursleys' house or if I would stay at Grimmauld Place or what Ellen and Katie are affectionately calling the murder house. I would gladly spend all my time at Grimmauld Place because I could explore And find all sorts of magical things there that I couldn't find at the Dursleys' house. And the Dursleys just live in suburbia. So it would be kind of boring. you can find all this magic shit. And you can fuck around with, you know, hang out with Harry Potter and shit. I mean, if it's a grim old place now, then it's probably, like, torn down. But it would be cool to explore and find all sorts of magical things and kind of see where Sirius grew up. And stuff like that. So that's why I would stay at Grill Place. Cause screwed the Dursleys.
1: Thank you so much for your responses.
0: Our trivia question last week was, what does Ginny throw at the kitchen door to figure out if it has an imperturbable charm on it?
1: Ginny throws dung bombs at the door. <laughs> and then later blames it on Crookshanks. Congratulations goes to Jackson Miller.
0: Woohoo! He is up to four weeks in a row, but Sarah was maybe 30 seconds
1: behind him for this one. Just barely. Will he hold on to his streak? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 4, Number 12, Grimold Place, and the corresponding film
0: scenes. Chapter 4, Number 12, Grimold Place, Part 2. Ginny opens the bedroom door and greets Harry, saying she thought she heard his voice. She then tells Fred and George that they can't use the extendable ears since their mom has put an imperturbable charm on the kitchen door. George wonders how she knows, and she explains that Tonks told her how to find out. She's been chucking dung bombs at the door and they can't make contact, so she knows that it's imperturbed. Fred is disappointed because he really wants to find out what Snape has been up to, and Harry is surprised to learn Snape is there. George explains that he's giving some sort of top-secret report, and Fred calls him a git. Hermione reminds them that he's on their side now, but Ron says he's still a git. Ginny mentions that Bill doesn't like him either, and Harry finds himself calming a little because his thirst for information is overpowering his urge to shout. Harry asks if Bill is there because he thought he was working in Egypt, and George explains that he applied for a desk job so he could come help the Order. He smirks as he tacks on that he misses the tombs, but there are other compensations. Harry asks what he means, and the twins tell him that Fleur Delacour got a job at Gringotts to improve her English, and Bill has been giving her a lot of private lessons. They tell Harry that Charlie is also in the Order, but still in Romania so he tries to make contact with foreign wizards when he can. Harry asks about Percy and learns that he and Mr. Weasley had a huge row after he got promoted to junior assistant to the minister. After all the trouble he got in for the situation surrounding Mr. Crouch, Mr. Weasley figured that the minister is trying to use Percy to spy on the family. This caused Percy to go berserk and say a lot of terrible things about his dad's lack of ambition, the family being poor, and how Dumbledore is heading for trouble. He said he was going to make sure everyone knew he didn't belong to their family anymore if they're going to be traitors to the ministry and then left. Mrs. Weasley has been extremely upset since then, and when she went to talk to him, he slammed the door in her face. Harry says that Percy must know that Voldemort is back since he's not stupid and must know that his parents wouldn't risk everything without proof. Ron responds that Percy said the only evidence is Harry's word, and he doesn't think that's good enough. Hermione adds on that Percy takes the Daily Prophet seriously, and the others nod in agreement. Harry has no idea what they're talking about, and Hermione asks if he's been getting the Daily Prophet and reading it thoroughly. Harry defensively explains that he's been only checking the headlines because that's where news about Voldemort would be. Everyone flinches at the sound of his name, and Hermione hurries on to inform Harry that they mention him a couple times a week, slipped in like a nasty standing joke that builds on Rita Skeeter's stuff. Harry wants to be sure Rita isn't writing anymore, and Hermione says that she's had no choice but to keep her promise, but her article about him collapsing all over the place and complaining about a pain in his scar laid the groundwork for what the Daily Prophet is doing now. They are writing as if Harry is a deluded, attention-seeking person and keep slipping in snide comments to turn him into someone no one will want to believe. This information reignites Harry's anger and he starts spluttering about how ridiculous it all is. Ginny reassures him that they all know that and Hermione also shares that there wasn't any word about the Dementor attack when that should have been a huge story. She thinks they are hoping to wait to report it after he's expelled but then goes on to say that he shouldn't be expelled. If they abide by their own laws, they don't have a case against him. Harry doesn't want to talk about the hearing, so he tries to think of a different topic, but is saved when they hear footsteps coming up the stairs. Fred tugs on the extendable ear, and then he and George vanish with a crack. Seconds later, Mrs. Weasley opens the door and tells them all that the meeting is over so they can come down for dinner. She tells Harry that everyone is dying to see him and asks who left all the dung bombs outside the kitchen door. Without missing a beat, Jenny blames it on Crookshanks, and Mrs. Weasley mentions that she thought it might have been Creature, who keeps doing odd things like that. She tells Jenny to wash her hands before dinner, and the youngest Weasley grimaces at the trio before following her mother out of the room. Harry is left alone with his two best friends, who are both looking at him apprehensively, worried he might start yelling again. He feels slightly ashamed and starts to say something, but Hermione cuts him off to say they knew he'd be angry and don't blame him, but they did try to persuade Dumbledore. Harry grudgingly says that he knows and looks for anything else to change the topic to, so he doesn't have to think about Dumbledore. He asks who Creature is, and Ron explains that he's the house elf who lives there, calling him a nutter. Hermione defends the elf and Ron rolls his eyes telling Harry that she still hasn't given up on Spew. This sets Hermione off a little more, but Ron cuts her off to head downstairs to dinner and leads the way out the door. He realizes the order members are still in the hall and stops Harry and Hermione to see if they can overhear anything. On the landing above them, Fred and George have lowered the extendable ear towards the people below But before they can hear anything, the group begins to move towards the front door and out of sight. Ron tells Harry that Snape never eats there and tells him to come on. Hermione quietly reminds Harry to keep his voice down in the hall. They walk past the house elf heads and see Mrs. Weasley, Lupin, and Tonks at the front door sealing the locks. Mrs. Weasley meets them at the bottom of the stairs and directs them to tiptoe into the kitchen, but is interrupted by a large crash. She turns and exasperatedly cries out to Tonks, who is lying on the floor, explaining that she tripped over the umbrella stand. Her words are drowned out by a horrible screech. The moth eaten curtains that Harry noticed earlier have opened, revealing an extremely realistic portrait of an old, unpleasant, drooling woman with rolling eyes. Mrs. Weasley tries to close the curtains as the woman begins screaming, Filth! scum, byproducts of dirt and vileness, and continues on with a string of horrible insults about befouling the house of her fathers. Tonks apologizes profusely, and Mrs. Weasley gives up trying to close the curtains. She instead runs up and down the hall, stunning all the other portraits. Then, a man with long black hair emerges from a nearby door and yells for the horrible hag to shut up as he and Lupin force the curtain shut on the old woman's screams, calling him a blood traitor, abomination, and shame of her flesh. Panting slightly, Harry's godfather, Sirius, turns to face him and grimly says, Hello,
1: Harry, I see you've met my mother. The movie scene starts on a wiggling ear dangling on a string being lowered into the hallway outside the meeting room. The ear picks up the conversation and sends it up through the string where Fred, George, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all leaning over the railing, looking down as they listen in. They can hear Sirius telling Molly that Harry is not a child and Molly responding that he isn't an adult and reminding him that he isn't James. Sirius retorts that he isn't her child and Molly insists that he's as good as, asking who else he's got. Ginny joins the group at this point and they all hear Sirius declare that he has him, and then Snape's voice joins the mix to mock him for being touchingly paternal and say that perhaps Potter will grow up to be a felon, just like his godfather. Harry is surprised that Snape is part of the order and Ron calls him a git. As they try to continue listening into the conversation, Crookshank shows up on the stairs and licks his lips at the sight of the dangling ear. He prances down off the steps and begins attacking the ear as Fred and George panic and Hermione whisper-yells at her cat to leave it alone. This does not work and he manages to tear the ear from the string and runs off with it. Ron informs Hermione that he hates her cat and she frustratedly says, Bad Crookshanks! The scene cuts to the end of the meeting, showing Harry and Ginny walking down the stairs towards Mrs. Weasley, who is standing in the hall. She tells them that they will be eating down in the kitchen, and then screams as Fred and George apparate directly behind her, yelling at them that just because they're allowed to use magic now does not mean they have to whip their wands out for everything. Arthur comes up next to his wife as she calms herself down and smiles at Harry, asking if he is hungry. Mr. Weasley puts his arm around Molly and asks if Harry is alright, but before Harry can answer, Sirius comes out of the room, followed by Lupin, and greets him. Harry says his name and runs to him for a hug. Aww.
0: We do get some of the same information in these two sections,
1: but in slightly
0: different ways.
1: Yeah, so they do correspond, but there are just quite a few differences.
0: Yeah, and then some of the stuff that happens in this section also will show up next week. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a little different, but it corresponds. It's a mishmash, but it works. Yeah. For once in this movie, it works. (laughs) And it lines up, even if it's not happening the same way. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it starts off with Ginny opening the bedroom door and commenting on how she thought she heard Harry's voice. Mm Mm-hmm. She then tells Fred and George that the extendable ears aren't going to work because their mom has imperturbed the door. Hmm. And George is just like, well, how do you know this little sister that you're my little sister and I can't believe a word you say because you're a girl? Mm Mm-hmm. Is what I'm assuming. And little. And little. And she tells him that Tonks told her how she can figure this out. I love Tonks in this situation. (laughs) She's just like, you just have to throw things at the door and see if they make contact. If they don't, the door's been imperturbed. And she's just like, I've been throwing dung bombs at it this whole time and none of them can touch the door. So mom put an imperturbable charm on it.
1: Which was our trivia
0: question. Sure was. Mm -hmm. This bums out Fred because he really wanted to find out what Snape's been up to. Which makes Harry just go, Snape's here?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty surprising thing. It's fair. So, it's true. yeah. There actually is a moment sort of like it in the movie, but it's done a little bit differently, I guess. So we'll just talk about that when we get there. Yeah, because we're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Soon, though.
0: Yeah. In the book, George tells Harry that he's there giving some kind of top secret report, and Fred's just like, the git... And Hermione's like, he's on our side now. I love it. In every single book, she defends him in some way. Mm Mm-hmm. And the first book, she's like, Snape is a teacher. Right? She always has given him the benefit of the doubt. Because she's also like, if Dumbledore trusts him, we should.
1: Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And we're just like, eh, should we, though? (laughs) Should we? (laughs) I'm having issues with this thought process. And Ron's over there like, our side, side. He's still a kid. Can I just say I love the
0: word get? Uh
1: (laughs) And we will hear it in the movie. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah.
0: Good times. Then Ginny's just like, Bill doesn't like him either. Like that settles the matter.
1: Mm -hmm. Which it very well might. For all we know, Bill's a very good judge of character. I mean, Bill works on curses and stuff. So Bill knows the mind of the bad guy. I would say so.
0: Yeah. You know? All of this information actually starts to calm Harry down a little bit because he's realizing that he wants to know what's going on more than he wants to shout. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just like, wait, Bill's here? I thought he was working in Egypt. And George is like, well, he applied for a desk job so that he could help out with the order. And he misses the tombs, but there are other compensations. Yeah, six in one, half dozen in the other. Harry's just like, compensations, what do you mean? And the twins are just like, you remember, old floor delacour? (laughs) Harry's like, yeah. Of course. How do you forget that? (laughs) She lactated butterflies, for fuck's sake. Right? That's pretty memorable. Right? But anyway, she got a job at Gringotts to improve her English. And Bill has been giving her a lot of Private
1: lessons. Ooh, I heard those air quotes. Private, private lessons. lessons. <laughs> and not to mention, from what I understand, the goblins are terrible kissers. So, definitely better to practice on Fleur. You know what I'm saying? I'm actually kind of bummed that this setup
0: wasn't included in the movie. Because it kind of came out of the blue the way they did it.
1: Once it comes up, yeah. It's out of fucking nowhere. Like how the fuck did they even meet? Yeah. Because he wasn't in four at all. Right. So... You're just like, what the hell just happened here? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even happen for two more movies. So. Right. It's super weird. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We get no bill in the movie. Yates. Yates. Ew, David. Mm. Anyway,
0: to, you know, stop Harry from shouting more, they keep giving him information, which is mm-hmm. totally the smart thing to do. And right. They say that Charlie is also in the order, but he's still working out of Romania, so he's mostly been trying to make contact with foreign wizards. On his off days, essentially. Okay. And Harry's like, well, what about Percy? Like, he's got to be useful, right? Things are about to get awkward. Yeah. And this wasn't included in the movie at all, which we're going to end up talking a lot more about when we get a little later on. Yeah. But at this point, we actually get the backstory in the book. And we learned that he and his dad had a huge fight Mm -hmm. over the fact that Percy got promoted.
1: Which you would think would be a good thing.
0: However. You would until you find out that he was promoted to junior assistant to the minister. And the minister's kind of got his head up his ass right now. Not even kind of. I'm surprised we can figure out where he begins and where he ends. (laughs) I mean, I never
1: could. So there's
0: that. That's a good point. (laughs) But on top of that, with all of the shitstorm, trouble he got in with everything that went down with Mr. Crouch. Mm -hmm. Like, there was an inquiry about that. Not in the movie, there wasn't. No, but in the book, Percy got in big trouble because he did not recognize that his superior was under the influence of something.
1: Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, that makes sense that he would be held accountable for that. Right. He was the one who was sitting there going, I know when it's him. I know my superior i know this and
0: it looks bad too because he was just so happy to have that responsibility and that power at the ministry that he never actually questioned it Mm -hmm. so why is this inexperienced fucked up real bad at his last job wizard getting promoted to a role directly with the minister you gotta think of
1: how many people would have killed for that job right and probably did really
0: well, Mr. Weasley is just like, yeah, I think he's just promoting you so he can spy on our family.
1: Yeah. And he's probably not wrong. Yeah, probably
0: not. But how would you feel hearing that from your father?
1: To be fair, I get it. Yeah. I'm seeing both sides of this coin here. I understand why it was
0: a fight. Mm-hmm. However, I also think Percy's being an idiot. Oh, definitely. I think Mr. Weasley probably could have handled it better. Yeah. But I think Percy's being an idiot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Because he
0: just totally lost his shit and started insulting the entire family, essentially, but mostly Arthur. Yeah. Saying that he had a lack of ambition. He's the reason their family were poor. That now they're siding with
1: Dumbledore, who's headed for big trouble. And interestingly enough, a lot of the points that he's making are reasons that I think Percy should have been in Slytherin. Because he has such ambition. Not only does he have the ambition, that's what he prefers in other people.
0: Yeah, I don't think that I would be upset with Percy being in Slytherin. I think that that could fit. Mm -hmm. I just hate the fact that people want to put Percy in Slytherin because they think he was like the bad guy in the Weasley family. That's why I also think that Fred and George should be Slytherin.
1: Mm -hmm. I totally get what you're saying there. And it annoys me, too, because they see Percy as like the black sheep of the Weasleys. So, oh, he's the bad one. He must go in Slytherin that's not at all what i'm getting at right no and i totally get where you're
0: coming from that he is very ambitious he wanted to rise and do well in the ministry
1: and that is ambition right there and he was always very proud of his achievements right you know i'm head boy i'm a prefect that was the most important thing in the world to him
0: i agree i do however think that after this estrangement we'll obviously talk more about this then for him to come back and say that he messed up, he was wrong, and try and make amends, that is a brave thing to do.
1: It was. Very so, much so, yes. I can see Six and one, half both cases. <laughs> yeah. And that's
0: probably why he ultimately ended up in Gryffindor. Yeah. And the fact that he's a Weasley and all of the Weasleys are in Gryffindor. Right. But I still think that Fred and George would make good Slytherins. They would as and well. And they do mean good ones. Mm-hmm. The Slytherins that all Slytherins deserve.
1: I was going to say, the Slytherins we need mm-hmm. and deserve and should have But anyway, Percy is all like, I
0: need to make sure everybody knows that I do not belong to this family anymore because it's about to implode. Shit's going to go down. And I think you're on the wrong side. So I am not on your side anymore. I'm separating myself from you. He moved out of the house, got his Mm -hmm. own place in London. Disowned him basically entirely. Disowned his family. And then when his mom tried to show up to talk to him, he slammed the door in her face
1: you just don't do that to Molly. You're going to get yourself in a hug lock with actions like that. Especially from Katie. It's lethal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hurt you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Harry's just over there like, what the fuck? There's no way that Percy doesn't realize Voldemort's back. He's not stupid. Like, he knows Percy is really smart. He knows. Yeah. He's like, why in the world does he think his parents are doing this? They wouldn't do this without proof. Mm-hmm. And Ron's just like, well... He touched on that one, too. As it turns out, the only evidence is your word. And Percy just doesn't think that's good enough. So things are about to get a little more awkward. That had to have been a tough one for them to share with Harry as well,
1: since he's like teetering on the edge of exploding again. Yeah. Well, and not to mention every time he brings up why he should be in on all the secrets, it's because he saw Voldemort come back Mm -hmm. and because he saw this. And now that's his first like inkling that not everyone believes him.
0: Yeah. And that's got to be tough to swallow. And then to make it worse, Hermione's like, well, it's mostly because he takes the Daily Prophet seriously. And everybody's like, yep, that's exactly what it is. And Mm -hmm. Harry's just like, what do you even mean by that? So Hermione's just like, haven't you been getting the Daily Prophet?
1: Not in the movie. He hasn't. Not in the
0: movie. (laughs) Harry's just like, yes. And she's like, have you been reading it thoroughly? He's like, no, if there's any information about Voldemort, it's going to be in the headlines. But mm, it? And everyone flinches because he said Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And Hermione's like, oh, I really don't want to tell you this, but I have to tell you this. <laughs> they mention you like several times a week. You're basically like a joke. Mm-hmm. They've been building on Rita Skeeter stuff. And we all know she writes the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Harry's just like, but she's not writing anymore, right? And Hermione's like, oh, no, she's kept her word there. Not that I gave her a choice. (laughs) Which, let's be honest, that's a little Slytherin, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Anything to achieve her goals right there. Mm -hmm. Any means to achieve Mm -hmm. her ends. But the article about him
0: collapsing everywhere and complaining of the pain in his scar Mm -hmm. basically laid the foundation for what the prophet's doing now, which is writing as if Harry is some sort of deluded, attention-seeking psycho. And basically, they just keep slipping in some snide comments, trying to turn him into somebody that nobody would trust. Mm -hmm. So it's like a tale worthy of Harry Potter. Or if somebody gets injured, they're like, let's hope that he doesn't have a scar or we'll be asked to worship him next.
1: Yeah, really dick things. Really dick things. Just those little jibes here and there. And it doesn't help that Harry's been gone for all these months and out of any kind of loop. No contact. No way to defend himself. Mm-hmm. So really, they're just kind of like, oh, well, he's not saying anything. It must be true, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Not that the Daily Prophet would print it if he did, but... True story. hmm But this is sort of mentioned in the movie, though it's also in a different way and we'll talk about when we get to that part yeah that's actually
0: going to be in the next episode that it comes up Mm -hmm. but it's a really good thing that harry didn't bother reading the daily prophet cover to cover and came across this information alone by himself yeah because he probably would have done something really stupid
1: yeah i'm willing to bet that the dementors would have been the least of his problems you know what i mean exactly As it is, even learning
0: about it with his best friends, he just completely freaks out. He starts spluttering about how ridiculous it is. He's like, I'm not asking people to worship me. And they're like, we know, we know. (laughs) I feel like they've been practicing this all summer. (laughs) Probably. I can't even imagine the number of times they probably had practice conversations. Like, okay, when Harry is here, Mm -hmm. you're going to say this. You're going to say this. All right, Jenny, here's your part. And she steps in at this point. She's just like, we all know this. Yeah. Trust me, Harry. We're on your side. Mm -hmm. And Hermione's like... Quickly continues on talking, hoping that feeding him more information will calm him back down. She's just like, there also wasn't any word about the dementia attack in the Daily Prophet, which you'd think
1: would have been a huge story. Yeah. Anything they could use to discredit him. Right? So they've probably been practicing how to break all this to him. Mm -hmm. Because there's no way he's going to read all these things in the Daily Prophet and not say something to them. Oh, Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, they knew he didn't know. Yeah, so they're probably just like, Okay, who's gonna tell him this one? Like <laughs> Like every owl they were probably like, Did he read it this time? Oh shit, did he read it this time? Uh no, he didn't. He okay, didn't. okay. This is just the normal expected anger. Yeah.
0: <laughs> which means we're gonna have to deal with it in person. Okay, cool. Yeah. But like I said, Hermione is just gonna continue talking. She's just, you know, word vomiting her breathless way that she does. Mm-hmm. And she shares the theory that she thinks they're waiting to report on it until after he's expelled. And then she's just like, not that you're going to be expelled. <laughs> if they abide by their own laws, they can't expel you because you were well within your rights to protect yourself. Yeah. And others. Right. There's no case against you. Mm-hmm. And Harry's just like, I do not want to talk about the hearing. So moving on, moving on, moving mm-hmm. on, moving on. But before he can think of something else to talk about, saved by the bell or by footsteps on the stairs. True. Yes. And Fred quickly tugs on the extendable ears because he does not want to get caught with those. And he and George disapparate with a crack. Seconds after that, Mrs. Weasley opens the door and is like, hey, all, meeting's over. We can go have dinner now. Just in the nick of time. She tells Harry that everyone is just dying to see him, which... Kind of is funny to me because most of them were his guard. <laughs> right. They've already seen him, basically. But, but I know there are still a few there.
1: Mm-hmm. By
0: everyone, we probably mean serious, let's be honest.
1: That's the only one that matters. Let's be fair.
0: And then she's like, who left all the dung bombs outside the kitchen door? And Jenny just like unblushingly says, oh, that was Crookshanks. He loves playing with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Mrs. Weasley is like, oh, I thought it might have been Creature. He keeps doing odd things like that. Yeah, I think Ginny's just like, damn it, that would have been better. <laughs> that might have worked too. Yeah. But technically, Mrs. Weasley could ask Creature and get an answer. Can't do that with a cat. So Very true. Still may have been the smart way to go. But Mrs. Weasley also notices that her hands are filthy, which I assume must be from the Dung bombs. I mean, I have to assume dung bombs aren't the cleanest of the bombs, if you will. It's just like, why are your hands so dirty? You need to wash them before dinner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's what I figure. It's got to be from the dung bombs. Well, it must. She was caught dirt handed. I don't know. Dung handed. Dung handed. (laughs) She was caught dung handed. Episode title, (laughs) dung handed.
1: Good times.
0: (laughs) But Jenny follows her mom out the door to go wash your hands before dinner and turns and grimaces at the trio before leaving. And Harry is now left alone with his two best friends who are just like, oh no, are you going to start yelling again? <laughs> here it comes. Here it <laughs> comes. And he sees the look on their faces and actually feels mad. And is just like, crap.
1: I've been a bit of a dick.
0: So he starts to say something, but Hermione just cuts him off and she's like, you know what? We knew you were going to be angry. We don't blame you. But I do want you to know that we did try to persuade Dumbledore. We tried our damnedest. Mm -hmm. And Harry's just like, I know. (laughs) But he also doesn't want to talk about Dumbledore. So he's just looking for anything that he can talk about to change the subject. Yeah. And he settles on Creature. Who the fuck's Creature? What the fuck's Creature? That's a very good
1: question. He's the house elf who lives here and he's kind of a nutter. And by kind of, I mean, he's really a nutter. He's batshit crazy. This doesn't happen in the movie though, but it's why they had Harry walk past the creepy house elf on his way to the room so that we at least got some kind of introduction to him because fun fact, the screenwriter, Steve Cloves, initially tried to write Creature out completely. And when Rowling read the script, she was like, yeah, you don't want to do that. He's crazy, but keep him in there. He seems useless, Mm -hmm. but he's not. Yeah
0: kind of important yeah and I think that the way they worked him into the movie was actually pretty effective even if it doesn't quite line up with the book yeah but yeah Hermione being Hermione defends the elf Uh, of course she does and Ron's just like Hermione still hasn't given up on spew and Hermione's like it's not spew Ron
1: s-p-e-w and they
0: like sort of bicker a little bit but ron's like i'm not getting into this i can't even imagine how many times they've had this argument (laughs) because i feel like any time creature would show up ron would say something about him being a nutter and hermione would be like don't call him a nutter Mm -hmm. and ron would be like you still haven't given up on spew and hermione's like it's not spew and so ron's just like I'm not doing this again let's go get dinner
1: yeah anytime anyone interacts with creature creature's a dick so, certain people are probably dicks right back to him. Cough, serious cough. <laughs> 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 so, it probably gets brought up every time anybody says anything about a Creature, not just Ron. Oh, you know she's tried to persuade
0: all of the Order members to join Spew. Oh, God, yes. I'm sorry, Hermione, I will not call it S P E W. Spew is much faster. Mm hmm. Spew. It's also very fitting for how I imagine her sharing information about house elves with people. <laughs>
1: It's very fitting how I imagine her sharing any information. (laughs) It just spews forth from her. Yes. (laughs) That is her middle name.
0: Yes, Hermione Jean Spewgranger.
1: Spewgranger. That was just a weird last name. Sorry.
0: (laughs) But anyway, they get out into the hall or out onto the landing. And Ron realizes that there are still order members standing down in the hall downstairs. Mm -hmm. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. And then you've got Fred and George on the landing above them. Lowering down the extendable ears so they can listen in.
1: Nice. Now, if you're watching the movie, I hate to tell you, and you already probably know, but none of that happened. None of it? None of it. But, I mean, this is basically where the movie scene fits into the chapter, so... Yeah, basically. We'll just go Key word. Yes. <laughs> it starts like any good mob movie. You know, with a wiggling ear dangling on a string. <laughs> At least all the good mob movies I've seen, so. <laughs> However, as far as we know, this one doesn't belong to someone who owes the Weasley twins money. It's not Ludo Bagman's ear. Theoretically, I can't guarantee that without a DNA test, but probably not. <laughs> Hopefully not. It's just being used to spy on top secret order business. Which is also very mob-like. <laughs> yep. You make a very good point there. Mm-hmm. The Weasleys are the mob. Dun-dun-dun. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. The ear picks up the conversation and sends it up through the string, where Fred, George, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are raptly listening in from the landing above. So, we are in a very similar situation to where the book was. Very much so. It definitely parallels it. Mm Mm-hmm. It comes close. Yeah. The, The tracks are close. They're just not touching. They're not. You know? But Sirius and Molly can be heard arguing over Harry's maturity level and what he can and can't handle because he's there now. So And actually, that comment and the following one, mm-hmm. we will
0: hear in the book. Yes. It's just next chapter. Yeah.
1: But this was a very
0: interesting way to put it in, though. Yeah, I have to admit they that. They fit it in and it was spot on to how it went in the book. Mm-hmm.
1: Just at a different time. But not the way they fit it in in a lot of the movie scenes where it's like, this happened at the beginning of the movie, we're going to talk about it at the end of the movie. Or this happened in the beginning of the book, we're going to talk about it right smack dab in the middle for no reason. To be
0: fair, there wasn't really a middle of the movie, there was just a montage. Very true. (laughs) So they had to just sort of fit things in how they could then.
1: Yeah. But we'll talk more about that then. Moving on. Sirius reminds Molly that Harry isn't her child... And Molly brings out the mom voice and says, bitch, he's damn close. Because really. He is. She's adopted him. Oh, absolutely. That is her baby. That is her baby cub. And I'm to fuck you up if you mess with him. That's yep. all there is to it. Fair. At this point, Ginny joins everyone on the landing. And Harry kind of says hi to her. Right. And this does kind of
0: parallel the fact that it is Fred, George, Harry, Ron, and Hermione and then Ginny joins them in the room right at the start of the chapter. Yeah. So again, we're still on a parallel here. Yes. With Ginny joining the group.
1: Later on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They all listen in as Sirius pulls out the dog father card, just in time to be mocked by the voice of Severus Snape, saying that Harry will follow in Sirius's footsteps and become a felon just like him. Oh, shit. It just got real. Just got real. How... Sirius didn't, like, just leap across a table at
0: that point. I just can't even imagine what kind of mantras Sirius has going through his head. (laughs) Must not kill Snape. Must not kill Snape. Must not kill the slimy gits. And they just get progressively more insulting to him in his head. But it's all must not. Must not.
1: (laughs) Can't rip off his greasy ears and shove them up his nose. And they probably get really graphic. Oh, I bet. That's my guess. It's his way of therapy.
0: Should that be our Potter pondering? What do (laughs) you think goes through Sirius's head every
1: time Snape speaks? You know what? Yeah. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, I like it. But anyway, Harry can't believe that Snape is actually in on this meeting. And Ron just responds by calling him a git. Half ding, Half ding, because this is that moment that is sort
0: of similar to the book. And Ron does call him a git, but one of the twins does it first. So only half. True, but it's still a Weasley. So there's that. That's the hafting. It's also kind of a hafting because instead of being told that Snape's there, they actually overhear him talking mm-hmm. and find out he's there that way. In the book, they don't actually overhear anything because the group starts moving towards the front door and out of sight before they can.
1: Yeah. While well, the conversation downstairs continues and the eavesdroppers upstairs continue listening in, as Cruikshank shows up and begins licking his chops at the sight of that juicy, juicy ear. The cat makes his way down the stairs and begins batting at the ear. Just kind of playing with it. Everything's a toy. Mm Mm-hmm. But then that little fucker just full-out attacks the ear while Fred and George start freaking the fuck out because their prototype is being completely manhandled. Cat-handled. Cat-handled, yes. Perfect. And Hermione attempts to control the cat by (laughs) whisper-screaming. Crookshakes! No! (laughs) Don't do that! Let it go! Leave it alone! The Fuck! Neither of these things work because, well, cats are assholes. She needed a water bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he manages to rip the ear off its string and then pieces the hell out because he's got what he wants. Time to go play with it. Mm-hmm. Ron once again reiterates his dislike for Hermione's cat, and Hermione just continues to whisper scream down the stairs, Bad Crookshanks! Bad Crookshanks! No! Side note, did you notice the troll leg umbrella stand at the bottom of the stairs? Yeah, that's totally what Tongs tripped over then, too. They showed yeah. it then. It just doesn't line up quite but properly. But you don't see, like, you see the toes and all that, Yeah, and that's yeah. why it's really gross. I honestly had never noticed it until I had to watch that scene 26 times in a row to write that little summary.
0: <laughs> it's funny the details you pick up on looking at it this closely. Yeah. Some I really wish I never noticed, but... <laughs> There's that. (laughs) There is that. Also, that's definitely not how it happened in the book. Mm -mm. Like I already said, they don't get to overhear anything. And Crookshanks does not show up at this point in the book, though we will see him next chapter. Mm -hmm. But Crookshanks has been fully redeemed from the third story when Ron thought that he ate his rat. His man. (laughs) It's a man. But like after that... Ron and Crookshanks are cool. Like, remember when Ron showed Crookshanks his little owl? Mm Mm-hmm. And was like, definitely an owl, right? Yeah. I don't like the fact that they threw Crookshanks under the bus to make him a dick. I mean, cats are assholes, but they're lovable assholes. Unless you're allergic to them. Yeah. You have to admit that if you could breathe around my cats, you'd think they were adorable. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Moving on. Instead of having them overhear the conversation, what we do see is while everyone's leaving, Ron's just like, Snape never stays for dinner, thank God. <laughs> and then he just, like, motions them to come back downstairs.
1: That'd be the weirdest dinner ever. Oh, my God. Could you please pass
0: the, the salt? No, I feel like he'd pause for a really long time and everybody would just be sitting there like, pass the what, Snape? <laughs> <laughs>
1: They just start handing him random things.
0: Right? And then he finally goes, salt.
1: And it's the one thing they didn't give him. Right. You son of a bitch, you never ask for salt.
0: (laughs) I don't care about my cholesterol.
1: (laughs) Anyway. No, he'd use that as I'm sorry, the cooking is just a little bland. Molly
0: would be ready to murder (gasps) him. Right?
1: It'd be hilarious. You can
0: cook next time. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody would trust Snape's cooking at all.
1: I now want this as a sitcom. He's a good cook, though. Being a potions master? Well, being a potions master, and also he lives on his own. Yeah, I guess he's a really good cook. I bet he is. But now I just want the old Place sitcom. That's all I want in life.
0: God, I would watch the shit out of
1: that. (laughs) laugh track every time Tonks trips over something. Which is constantly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, it'd be great.
0: <sighs> but back to our episode in hand. Yes. They're about to head downstairs and Hermione's just like, make sure you stay quiet in the hall. And this is twice that Harry's been told to stay quiet in the
1: hall. Hmm. I wonder if we're going to find out why. Hmm. hmm. It's never mentioned in the movie. So. It is not. It's sort of
0: alluded to...
1: But not in the same way at all. No. So they tiptoe
0: past the house elf heads down the stairs. Tiptoe and past the house elves.
1: Sorry.
0: I think it should have been tiptoe past the elf heads. <laughs> <laughs> but at the bottom of the stairs where the door is, they see Mrs. Weasley, Lupin, and Tonks all there. They let the other order members out and they're sealing all of the locks behind them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Mrs. Weasley meets them at the bottom of the stairs and is just like, continue to tiptoe to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but she is interrupted by a large crash. Oh, that Tonks. Oh, that Tonks. <laughs> Laugh track. Mm-hmm. But she turns and exasperatedly cries out the Tonks. Basically, that Oh, that Tonks, except yeah. more exasperated. And we see that she is lying on the floor, explaining that she tripped over the damn umbrella stand. That
1: damn umbrella stand. Which, we got that pale, pale comparison to this in the movie when Tonks stumbles over it on her way to the meeting. Yeah. When they first get to the house, but
0: meh. Yeah, and in the movie, the stumble also didn't even reveal why it was so important they had to be quiet in the hall.
1: Yeah. Because in the book...
0: Mrs. Weasley's words are drowned out by a horrible screech. Oh, lordy. And then this moth-eaten curtain that Harry noticed earlier (laughs) and thought was just covering a door opens. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not a door. It's a portrait, an extremely realistic portrait, of an old, unpleasant, drooling woman with rolling eyes. And why would they paint her
1: like that? Um, Incest? Everyone's marrying their cousins. I guess, but I mean, like, pretty it
0: up a little bit for the portrait? I don't know.
1: Maybe they did, but not even magic could fix her. Maybe. Maybe (laughs) that was the fix. Yeah.
0: But Mrs. Weasley's trying to close the (laughs) curtains, and she can't even get them closed. No. So, like, there is a lot of magic happening over there, because... She can't get them closed, and the woman is just, you know, eyes rolling, drooling, and screaming, Filth,
1: scum, byproducts of dirt and vileness! Which kudos to her for using the word byproducts. Right? It's not my first insult, usually, but. No, this but works. finger cut might be better. Finger cut <laughs> all the way. <laughs> byproducts of finger cuts! <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like that's basically calling them pus filth scum pus yeah yeah and then the crazy creepy drooling woman in the portrait also says something about befouling the house of her fathers so she seems nice
1: yeah the closest the movie got to this was the moment that we talked about last episode where the creepy old house elf was talking to the portrait that began kind of muttering back speaking of
0: pale pale comparisons
1: It's barely a comparison, if I'm honest. Yeah. Because she was just kind of whispering it. She's like, filth, scum. (sighs) Yeah, and it
0: was more of a way to introduce Creature since he wasn't brought up in the conversation the trio had. Mm -hmm. Since they barely had a conversation in the movie. Yeah. But it was more that than it was showing us the fucked upness of Sirius's mother, really. Yeah. And we never really saw her at all, at all. It was just like a whisper of oh yes, the portrait is there, but you
1: don't get to see it. Yeah. It was a whisper behind a curtain. That's all it was. And really, as far as we know, Harry's the only one that even heard anything. Yeah. It's never mentioned in the movie, ever. Boo. Mm Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to seeing it. Right. I love the stuff they do with the portraits. It's fun. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: But anyway, Tonks is just apologizing profusely for waking the beast. (laughs) <laughs> and Mrs. Weasley's just like, whatever. And she just completely gives up trying to close the curtains and instead just starts stunning all of the other portraits. So at least they can't participate in the yeah, din. They can't join in. But then a man with long black hair comes running out of the room where they had the meeting and starts screaming at the horrible hag. There's just so much screaming happening right There's now. There is a lot. And he and then Lupin force the curtain shut on the old woman's scream as she's calling The black-haired man, a blood traitor, an abomination, and shame of her flesh. Oh, that's very loving. Panting slightly, (laughs) Harry's dog father, Sirius, is just like, Hello, Harry, I see you've met my mother.
2: Sorry, the how I met your mother.
1: (laughs) It would be perfect for the sitcom. (laughs) For the sitcom, yes. I love that line. Yeah. I love that line so, so, you've so much. So you met my mother. That is my favorite ending to a chapter yeah, ever. I have a good one. Mhm. But since the whole portrait thing is not something that happened in the movie. Boo, hiss. Ew, David. Ew, David. But anyway, they had to use a different way to reach a fairly similar point for where we cut this section of the movie. So instead of the whole debacle, Harry and Ginny head down the stairs as Molly tells them they'll be eating in the kitchen tonight. And she's all smiles until suddenly Fred and George scare the ever-loving crap out of her by apparating directly behind her. Much like they did to Harry. Right. When he first got there. (laughs) She whips around and she swats at the closer twin while screaming that just because they're allowed to use magic now does not mean they have to whip the wands out for everything. Which, let's be honest, is not the first time in their lives that she has had to say something to that effect to her children. Probably not. No. Though, I will say it may be the first time that she has said it and actually meant wand. I heard
0: the air quotes on that one. Yep. So Molly actually does get to make this comment in the books too. But it's next chapter and kind of for a different reason. Still Fred and George shenanigans, but not the same. Aren't they always? (laughs) (laughs) And we'll talk about that when we get there.
1: Yeah, in the movie, Mr. Weasley comes up behind Molly as she mentally counts to three to calm the hell down. She sees Harry and immediately begins smiling because that's just what she does when she sees Harry. I love how they keep doing that where she gets to yell at her kids and Mm -hmm. then
0: immediately follow it up talking sweetly to Harry. It's so good the way that julie walters does that
1: right because she even stares down ron as he like sneaks past Mm -hmm. her she's like staring him down he's scared you can see that he's fucking scared Ginny's just like oh dear god yet again and then she sees harry and she's like oh harry dear right (laughs) are you hungry would you like some food it doesn't matter i'm going to force feed you anyway (laughs) Obviously she offers him food now, but before he can answer, Arthur just wraps an arm around his wife and asks if Harry is alright, since things seemed a bit touch and go for a hot minute there. Just a bit. Just a little bit. Give him a bit of a scare, guy. Thank goodness
0: he didn't know about all the standing jokes in the Daily Prophet. It right? would have been more than touch and go. <laughs> right. Could
1: have just been gone. <laughs> but once again, before he can answer, at this moment Sirius's voice is heard behind the Weasley's, and legitimately. Nothing else matters. Mm. Nothing matters to Harry as he lunges at him for a hug. And dog fathers don't shake hands. Dog fathers got a hug. And at this moment in the theater, everyone just sheds a tear whether they want to or not. Yeah. Because it's serious and Harry and Lupin's behind him, like
0: looking all fatherly and stuff. And I think this is one of the closest moments Harry has had this summer to just happiness.
1: Yeah. This summer has been probably one of Harry's worst. Yeah. So it means that much more. Yeah. I would say so. You know, he's finally reunited with his dog father and his best friends, and too. His- and his mama Weasley. Like, all things considered, the circumstances are terrible, but this moment is just love. Yeah. And I love it. Now,
0: as there was a movie section, mm-hmm. we did obviously have actors. Yes. But none of them really did that much. We've already talked about Mrs. Weasley. Yeah. Arthur had one line, and all he did was stand there otherwise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sirius smiled and hugged Harry. Yeah, and we heard him argue
1: with Snape over the...
0: Right, and Ginny did basically nothing. Yeah. So I think what we're going to do this time is just wait until they do a little bit more. Yeah. Because they do all have better moments later on.
1: Mm-hmm. That we definitely want to touch on when they happen.
0: Yeah. So instead of talking about them twice, we're just going to put it off.
1: Mm-hmm. So that'll bring us to our Potter pondering, which this week is, what do you think went through Sirius's head every time Snape spoke? I'm
0: really excited to see. We have some hilarious and creative keepers.
1: All right, let's hear some rants, guys. Oh,
0: I'm looking forward to it.
1: You know what? I miss a good old Quincy rant. Quincy? Quincy? Bring us a rant. You've been tasked. Mm hmm. Find the post on our Facebook page
0: and share your thoughts. Or, Quincy, call us at 216 526 6792 and leave your responses a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer and. As our new thing has been, you can also find our video on TikTok and stitch your response.
1: Mm -hmm. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them.
0: This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Diana Chapman. Yay! She writes, My name is Diana Chapman. I'm a Hufflepuff. My wand is Cypress Wood with a unicorn hair core, 14 and a half, and slightly yielding flexibility, and my Patronus is a white mare. So, I had never really thought about this, and I'm so effing strange. I remember being in middle school when the books came out, about 11, I think. Everyone was obsessed with them, so out of sheer stubbornness, I refused to jump on the Harry Potter train. Keep in mind that I'm an avid reader. I used to average over 100 books every summer vacation, and fantasy has always been my favorite genre. Fast forward a few years, my grandma listened to the audiobooks, and I believe she owned the first two movies? I was sick one day and decided to watch Sorcerer's Stone. After that, I had to read the books, and I loved them. I read Deathly Hallows and not quite double the time it took Ellen. I think I do side with Ellen. I'll reread the books faster than I'll watch the movies any day. Also, I'll never forget how mad I was when I realized that Olive Wood was given zero screen time in comparison to the books, because young me totally had a crush on the movie Oliver. Thank you, ladies, for making this podcast. And thank you so much for sharing your sorting hat story with us, Diana, and for giving me a chance to say Olive Wood.
1: We do miss it. Well, some do. I could do without it. But yes, thank you, Diana. <laughs> and if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your sorting hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us.
0: You can also message it to us over social media, or you can comment with it on our Sorting Hat Saturday post. And just so y'all know, if you share your Sorting Hat story with us, you will get a Sorting Hat Saturday post, but you do not have to share a picture with us if you don't want. I have a backup plan for that. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like you won't share your story just because you don't want your picture plastered on our page. It is not a requirement.
1: No, not at all. That brings us to this week's trivia question, which is... What did Molly make for dessert on Harry's first night at the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag three helpings will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is
0: to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker
1: you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at JustKeepRolling.Podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out
0: our website at JustKeepRolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube
1: channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on Patreon.com slash JustKeepRolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next
0: week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just Just keep keep rolling. rolling.